Independent, totally biased, Hull Kingston Rovers. You are listening to the Red Robin Podcast with Joe Appleyard and Chris Johnson. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Red Robin podcast. This week we look back at our glorious Challenge Cup exit at the hands of the Castleford Tigers. We give our opinion on today's squad announcement ahead of Friday's massive game against the Huddersfield Giants. And Hull Live, Hull Kingston Rovers reporter James O'Brien joins us to share some incredible statistics and chew over the Rovers could. Joe, James... It's great to be speaking to you again. How are you doing, boys? Yeah, thanks, mate. Good to be back on, James. Um, yeah. Just a bit of an um, uh, interesting week for LKR, Chris, isn't it? We've got so much to talk about. Um, hectic, as always. And unfortunately, reporting on another defeat. I think we will get there eventually, mate. But we're not quite there yet, are we, Chris? <laughs> no, and uh, I'm sure James will agree that, um, you know, Robert... And this is what we said in the. Uh, I think we put a tweet out today about um, are we are we unlucky or are we? Um, you know, we're so close to victories, aren't we? You know, we're so close to winning, or are we are we too far away from actually winning games? Um, and we're hoping it turns around quickly because we are desperate to talk about a victory uh, very very soon. So it, it's difficult. You know, the, the life of a Hulkington Rover supporter is a, a challenging one. Um, we're just waiting for that big W to, to show up, aren't we? And I'm sure uh, life will be a lot more positive for all of us as soon as Rovers get that victory. We hope, we hope so, mate, whenever that's going to come. I'll tell you <laughs> what, um, when it being, being behind closed doors and stuff, you don't, you're not as attached, are you? And as much as you want them to win stuff, you feel like you're not there. It's tough sometimes to get involved in the game. I have never felt as bad in a long, long time after a defeat than I did that golden point. I'm a miserable bastard. Anyhow, I, Chris, as you all know, but literally, <laughs> I, was, I was, I didn't speak for about two hours. I'm still annoyed now about it, and I know we're going to speak about it with James, but I'm still in shock about them, you know, them final 10 minutes. But that is life as an Ulkingston Rovers fan, and I was definitely sour when um, O'Brien got that drop goal again, mate. I've, um, I felt that passion coming back, which was good, because I know we're closer to um, getting... Yeah, and also, out. Joe... Five years on from when uh, O'Brien scored the dreaded million-pound uh, um, drop yeah, goal, goal. Uh, it, had and, be, it had to be him. It had to be. Yeah, him. and it, it was a bit uh, funny, wasn't it? Obviously, having Mantelato on as our last Heritage Cast guest, because obviously he spoke so so openly about that million-pound game, and like he said, Gareth. Gareth O'Brien kicked the, the the best kick he's ever seen. Well, I think he said in his life, in, a, in his career, he's never seen someone hit a sweeter drop goal than what O'Brien did. And and it, it was just funny, wasn't it? You know, a few days later, that 
he goes and does it again in the Challenge Cup and once again uh, heaps misery on Rovers and, and us as supporters. Yeah, he does his aim. He hasn't got the best record, as he with all KR fans. But he can kick a drop goal. I know we're going to speak about all the misses and go into depth about the trials and stuff in a moment. But he ultimately can win games for you. And that's what he's there. He's not the most skillful in attack or defence. Bit of a no-nonsense player and a utility. A lot like you know, Jordan Turner, who was at Castleford. They've had a few people like that. But Gareth O'Brien probably up there in the best free kickers in Super League. And unfortunately... We we haven't really got that. Um, someone who can just demand the game, demand a drop goal, and get it from anywhere. And ultimately, we're out of the Challenge Cup now because of Gareth O'Brien. But you know, fair play to Cass because in extra time they looked a lot more up for it than Old Kingston Rovers, didn't they? Yeah. Well, I, it, I just run out of fitness, James. I don't know about you, mate. Yeah. It was obviously there, and I think it was. Um, a bit cold, weren't you, in the end, because it was getting um, <laughs> in them 110 minutes, whatever it was. How did you think about the game? Yeah, I think in, in Golden Point, it was an energy thing in the end, and Cash just had a bit more, um, had a bit more go forward, didn't they? They were making meters a lot a lot easier than Rovers, and they, and they could get into those positions. They were a bit like the Catalan game, where you just never felt like Rovers were going to win it. Um, they just don't seem to... And they had two attempts, didn't they, in the, in the Cast game. Abdul sent one wide or short, and then Lewis, we won that, didn't even get off the ground. But in terms of performance, obviously it was much improved. They came out with a really good tempo, and Cast couldn't live with them in the, in the first half. And they, they really should have, the game should have been in the bag by half time. I think Litton made a, a break on the right, and he had support on his inside, but I think his body position meant he had to look right first. And by the time he turned around, it was a bit too late. But I, th- I think it came off someone's foot anyway and Quinlan went to touch down but I only had one look at it I don't know if there was a replay of that right at the end of the first half was that yeah when Jez made the break mate yeah he made the break he looked right and then he, he passed back inside but I think it came off someone's boot and then Quinlan touched down but I don't I don't quite know what happened like I say you only get one look at it yeah because probably you know Jez if Jez had a pass there, mate, what was that? What would that have been about 28-6? I know Rovers let the cast come back, but for me, Chris, if Jez had got it away, over, yeah. It'd probably, yeah, it'd have been game over, wouldn't it, lads? I think yeah. I think that's the biggest frustration, because if you if you rewind and you go back to that first half, and you know, it's similar to the second half against Catalan, you know, we were so so able to put points on the board, and and I think. We put ourselves in such a, a strong position to win the game, and as a supporter, the the biggest frustration is that uh, we weren't able to see it out. But also, uh, and also, don't forget. I mean, we'll talk about the second half as well. We actually weathered the storm a little bit, so Castleford obviously did come back, and yet then we went. You know, I think Kenny. I said to I text Joe and said, "Oh, Kenny Dowell scored a captain's try there. He's got us right back into it. He did the offload." So we got right back into the game and, and put ourselves in such a strong position. And for me, that Castleford game was a real head-scratcher because not only... I think we did enough to win it twice, and yet we still lost. <laughs> and and I, I just can't... I, the, I think that, like... I mean, we're going to talk about stats anyway, James, and, and, and you put some incredible stats out in the paper. So, it, you know, I can't... You know, hopefully you'll be able to share them with us. But the the, the physical effort was there to win the game. Yeah. There was there was one big moment for me that that 
Olfert's try with about nine to go. He scored in the corner. He never should have scored that try. It was an effort from Rovers that suggested they thought the game was won, I thought, looking back. Because mm. I think he had he cut back inside. He had three men around him and he somehow managed to get it down. And if that had been the last play of the game, I think Rovers would have put him into touch or at least held him well, the, 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 the effort there for that play. He, he nearly went in again, didn't he? You know, he he knocked on, yeah. um, and in a, almost identical yeah, position. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that it was pretty shoddy effort. I can't remember who was involved. I think Abdul was over there, obviously Quinlan. Um, but yeah, and, and then once you give Cass a sniff, they're, they're a really good side in those circumstances. They're dangerous. I mean, in the last couple of minutes, I've never seen the um a, a line as as deep. I think there must have been like. 30 metres back, it was just, it was ridiculous. So yeah. that, that shape was coming at Rovers and you just knew what was coming, but they did, they shut the player down, didn't they, the last play of the game, but then McShane pulls a rabbit out of the hat and just turn her away down the, on the wing. Yeah. He was, he was unbelievable all the way through pretty much. He got a big slice of fortune for the, for his first try and probably his second try was a bit of an obstruction, <laughs> but you know then, but in general play, he just he just bossed him. I do think though, James and I'm Joe. I'm sure you'll you'll agree that as as good as Paul McShane was, there was plenty of opportunity to stop his plays in a way. You know, it, it, it's not as if he came up with some miracle plays. Um, it's almost like Rovers presented opportunities for for him to attack us. Um, Rovers, and, aren't, and, Rovers aren't great around the rook, are they? The, We've often got yeah. men laying in the in the rook or laying behind the rook and all over the place like ten pins. I think they're the worst side in the comp for that. Just having men laying around the rook and not getting back. But I think well, that's a big issue they need to sort out. Where, where do you think James? I mean, we're, we're sort of all, you know we're talking about various parts of the game, but where do you think they? Where do you think? Um, who who controls that for Rovers? Because obviously Minchella's obviously not playing for, for Rovers for the rest of the season. And he was such a big player in that middle. Um, who's going to control that sort of defensive, you know, position from the middle and, and, and control it for Rovers? Because at the moment, I can't see anyone who's really putting their hand up to say, you know, you can count on them to organise the side defensively, especially in that middle part of the, middle part of the pitch. Yeah, you've obviously got George Waller who made six and nine tackles the other night or whatever it was. Um, but he, he don't strike me as a, a big talker. He just goes and does his job. Um, George King is, is another one who got through loads of work. But I know what you mean. Minchella brings that energy, doesn't he, in the middle? And he gets everyone. He brings, almost brings a defensive line up with him. Uh, so I know where you're coming from in that respect. Um, it's yeah. uh, you're going to miss a player like that. It's, it's an integral part of what Rovers do in defence and attack. And um, he was missed the other night. I think if he plays, they see that out. How good yeah. George King being? Go on, Joe. George King, I was just saying, lad. Yeah. When he signed last season, I did have my doubts, but he runs his blood to water every game, that player. Mm. I think he's he's instrumental in the middle of the park. And, you know, the work he put in, you mentioned the stats there with George. That's the thing, they're yeah. working prices off their workhorses, but they're never going to win your games. They're not, they're not fancy forwards. And that's why we're missing out with just that little bit of quality. But I think the biggest turning point for me, I think just before Daryl Olfert's went over, um, Ryan Hall making a break we had nine minutes to play and he goes and tries and does a Kurt Gidley pass after making a break it was you know we had nine minutes on the clock an experienced head like him 
he puts a red and white shirt on and he wants to play like the Harlem Globetrotters when you're three tries in front. I don't know about you, James, but I was so frustrated at Ryan Hall. Yeah. It was probably one of you know, his worst game since he started. I didn't think he had a particularly bad game at all, but that no. break, you just take it up. And that's, again, we're missing that leader to just go, do you know what? We're three tries in front. We're just going to do five, ta- five tackles and drill it into touch. Turn Castleford over. We still can't do that. I and mean, that's why we conceded three tries in eight minutes. It's it's not good enough at Super League level that we'd need a leader in that middle of the park to control the game, drill it into touch, don't play fancy. Unfortunately, yeah. we had to, James, didn't we? And that's what probably cost us, ultimately. I think it was a zero tackle, wasn't it? It was a mm. great kick over. And then, it was, it was a knock-on from Cass first. We took was it? I thought it was a kick, yeah. but can't really remember. Um, but yeah, obviously I remember the play. He seemed to make a half-break and then try this fancy flick. But afterwards, I don't know if it was embarrassment or what. He stayed down as if he had yeah. cramps. So I don't know if that was part of it. But even if you got cramped, you just die with the ball, don't you? I don't know what was going through there. No. Yeah, it yeah was, that was a big moment. I don't, I don't think they scored directly from that. But then Rovers couldn't get out, could they? No. No, and and I think the biggest problem is is that if if he'd have um, just took the tackle and Rovers would have uh, obviously kept the ball, we'd have got another few tackles up. You know, we could have potentially another kicked minute, him into that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and you talk about killing the game there, and that's just that game management. And, and what frustrates me is that, you know, for instance, if right if Ethan Ryan had thrown that passing side, you know, you could have maybe talked about a young player, maybe a bit of experience, inexperience, and you'd have understood it. You know, I'm not saying it'd have been, um, you know, you're still criticising because there's no way he should have done it. But you're talking about, you know, one of the most experienced players on the pitch who's done that. And, and it was, for me, I was shouting out, I could not get my head round why, I just can't explain it. And I'm sure Ryan all can't explain it. No, but it's like, like Joe said, it's like when, when they pull a red and white shirt on, these players, suddenly the red just goes to mush. They just can't, they, they can't do it. I know, I get your frustration. I think Tony Smith called it a brain explosion yesterday, he actually mentioned it. Someone asked yeah. him about right now, and he said, "Yeah, he's been he's been great in the main." But is that a polite yeah. term for a brain fart? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it was unbelievable. You you just don't expect that from him, do you? And I don't think I've ever seen him do anything. Joe, talk talk about that first half though, because obviously, you know, Rovers were right on the front foot, weren't we? And, and we, we were scoring almost tries at at will, especially we had that that really good spell, didn't we? That ten minute spell where we scored three tries. That was that was Rovers at the best one, it Joe. Unbelievable, mate, and that's what's so frustrating because you, there's a, how much, how many times can we go on about this potential and if we can play like that, we literally, I was saying to someone at work, we look, we look like the best team in the comp when we play rugby. That Ethan Ryan try, simple move, taking it to the line. It's not, it's you know, it's not hard to do. Mikey hit a good ball, and Ethan Ryan strolled in for an easy try. And even when Truman scored, we thought, oh God, here we go, it's um, on the backlash again. But Quinlan going in, Albert Vetti crashing over, I thought he was a little bit better. He's still miles off the fitness, mate, and that's it. He'll be really good in bunches, but we need a bit more out of him, and I do think he'll get more game time and impress. And then Matt Parcell, I think him and Jez are absolutely unbelievable at the minute working together. I think Parcell goes under the radar, um, obviously because of Jez being an old lad and him being really good and successful in the opening bit of the 2021 campaign. But Rovers just looked so composed and just looked like a proper team. And it was one of them where it was like, right, it's clicked this. And I even texted you, didn't I? I put Kinell, we're hammering them, but it's a cup game. You know, I want these two points in the league. We'll probably go back to mush and then... 
it's just Jekyll and Hyde in it. And unfortunately, you can't do that against any team, never mind someone who's got Paul McShane and Truman and Danny Richardson. To play every Super League team will capitalise on Ulkingston Rovers if they have them brain explosions in the second half. But that first half, James, for you being there, it, Tony Smith must have been impressed because the moves he was putting on, finally, simple rugby, but effective, and that's all they need to do. It's pretty simple stuff. Rovers didn't set the world on fire and they'd scored 22 points in the first half against probably one of the top four teams in Super League, James. Yeah, they looked so slick, didn't they, in that, yeah. in that first half? Everything it just looked so much more natural than the previous weeks where they were really clunky. Um, yeah, just really impressive. The, I think the, the two hookers, I think they're absolute gems, are they? Matt Parcell and Jez Lytton. And when they're both out there, the cast just couldn't live with them. I think Matt Parcell went off late on. I spoke to him earlier today and he said he went off with a peck issue late, I think five minutes to go. And he actually got taken off because I thought, right, well, the game's won now. Mm. We'll just, just wrap you in cotton wool, but obviously he didn't get back on and they lost the game. I really so, yeah. like. I really like Jez and um, Matt Parcell on at the same time, Chris. Yeah. I don't know about you. We mix it up a bit, don't we? Um, Jez goes up. Yeah, but George, what, well. what I don't get is is that so so uh, Jez and Parcell obviously link up really well, and obviously it changes the dynamic of the team. So where does that leave Abdul and Mikey Lewis? I think because at the moment the four of them are combining because it's obviously it's almost like a partnership between Lytton and and Parcel and and uh, I think Lewis and then Abdul struggled to to get a foothold in the game based on how well them two are doing. So I I I can't see the dynamic between the four of them. They're like ghost runners, aren't they, when Jez and Matt Parcella play, mate? I think Abdul gets the ball a little bit more, but we look at Mikey sometimes, and I know he's such a big topic, and sometimes it seems like all we do is criticise him, and I know he's a young kid, he's got a long way to go, but when them three are on the pitch together, some I think I counted once, Mikey didn't touch the ball for about four sets, and he's the leader, he's the seven. It's, it's tough because I don't think four can work. I'm just, I no. think I really, you could maybe drop one of them two because I think at the minute, Jez and Matt Parcell are undroppable, Chris. I don't know about you, but they do work really well together, them two hookers, even when one of them acts as another halfback or another passing runner. So it's weird, but the problem is sometimes too many cooks spoil the broth, Chris, don't we? And you can, you can get confused and moves can look a bit disjointed because you've got four people trying to control that move and control kicks. It, sometimes it's a little bit too much. Yeah, it's really... Where, where do you think, James, where do you think that, obviously, Tony Smith's going big on having Parcel and Lytton on, on the pitch at the same time. So, like, I think Joe's right. I think I think out of out of the four, Lewis becomes a passenger almost. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think Lytton goes almost to first man, doesn't he, off, off the rook. That's, he set up that Quinlan try, didn't he, amid a burst from there. Mm-hmm. It was like the scrum half. I know where you're coming from, too many cooks and what have you, but it, it works well when they're out there and Rovers look more dangerous in attack. So defense. while Lewis oh. might become a passenger for a bit, I think I think it is working well in the main. And it keeps the opposition guessing because they've got two hookers out there and they don't know what's coming next, do they? Do, yeah. do you think that, obviously, that I mean, that must be a massive part of Tony Smith's game plan because obviously, you know, we, we talked about them for, we've not even mentioned then Quinlan coming into the line. Um, and, and obviously, if you watch the NRL, the hooker coming, uh, the fullback coming into the line is almost like another, you know, another halfback. And, and um, I think Quinlan's starting to grow into his 
into the game a bit more. So, so potentially you got five players there. So I think Tony Smith's obviously his plan is to have as many attacking players out there. But then do you think that maybe is do we suffer defensively from that, James? Maybe so. Yeah, I, I don't. It's worth a bit of research, and it's seeing the points for and against while they're both out there. They didn't do much last year. Obviously, we were injured at different different points. I think they only played one or maybe two games together last year. Um, yeah, it is an interesting one. I'd have them both out there for as well, not for as long as possible, but 30, 40 minutes. I think even in the, the previous games, Rovers have been better when they've both been out there. So it's definitely worth persevering with, I think. One player I want to talk about though as well is, um, especially in that first half, was Ethan Ryan. And obviously, you know, the talk before the game was about Ben Crooks maybe not performing to his to his capabilities. And obviously, uh, Ethan Ryan stepped up and took his place. And I think, um, you know, I was maybe guilty of talking about Ethan Ryan in a, an offensive position and, and the fact that that's the only way to be able to contribute. But we saw very much so in that first half, him, him actually one-on-one tackles, running out the line, you know, making things happen. And I, and I think, especially on that first half performance, and and probably, you know even so in the second half, Ethan Ryan stakes a big claim to 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 maybe displace Crooks from the the team for the Huddersfield game. Yeah, he, I think there were two great defensive reads in the first half to shut the player down. It's a little bit of a blur as the game, and obviously it's not easy to watch it back when it's on our league. But yeah, I remember him shooting out the line and closing players down and. He just looked really good. His all-round game was really good. Obviously, big um, morale booster to get that first try. And he just went from there, really, because I think we spoke last time and before the Catalan game, we were saying he's knocking knocking the door down. And I think we mentioned it might be an injury for him to get in, but obviously he's, he's doing that well. And Crooks was obviously uh, under par in the first couple of games. That is, he's got in and after three games, and it's his spot to lose now for me. Yeah, I said to Joe, I text Joe as well. I think the biggest insult as well was uh, I think Crooks was the the bringing on the kicking corner as well. <laughs> so not only is he being dropped, he, he he's also bringing on the uh, the kicking. Uh, there was a great shot I think of uh, Crooks and Ethan Ryan. I know Ethan Ryan won't kicking, but I thought that was the ultimate kicking the teeth as yeah. well. So yeah. so maybe maybe Tony Smith, you know, he's a great psychologist. Psychologist in a way, and he talks about the game. Maybe, maybe we won't see from Ryan because maybe he's used this deliberately to to give Crooks a, a kick up the backside in a way. Um, I think we'll it'd be out on Ethan Ryan if he was left out after that. It'd be pretty demoralising. Yeah, well, yeah, because because he's um, you know he's going to have to explain to Ethan Ryan why he was dropped based on his yeah. performances and he using and, him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd, so I'd, I'd, sorry, Chris. I'd probably, in my opinion, I'd drop my nick in me if he's putting Crooks back in. I think Crooks has to go to centre, and Ethan Ryan has to go on the wing. I don't think you can really justify getting rid of Ethan Ryan. I know it's he's played there before, hasn't he? He's played centre before as well, Crooks. It's not. A, it's not an unfamiliar position to him. Well, when he signed for Parramatta, I know he never played. He played for their feeder team. But when he signed from Hull um, to go to Parramatta Reels, they signed him as a centre. You know, he played in the Challenge Cup final. Um, for all the dream team, didn't he? Yeah, dream team, even when he was at Lee Castleford, he's always done that number three shirt, so he's probably more familiar there. It's only since he's come to Rovers that he's actually gone on the wing, so he's changed position and he can tell because some of his defensive reads he's like a centre jamming in. So, you know, I think 
for me, I'd like to see Minikin take um, a step on the sideline for this week. I think Ethan Ryan keeps his place. If Crooks is going to come back, um, he needs to prove a point because he is one of our best attacking threats on his day, but his defence has just been shocking this season, like a few players, but I don't know. It's one of them. I don't know about you, James, but we, we can't keep chopping and changing. I know I've just mentioned about Minnick in there, but to build a platform, to build this relationship between the four halfbacks, if you want to call them, with the Uckers as well, we need to just keep playing the same team week in, week out. Injuries permitted, I know that's massive. Um, and we'll go on to the others field game soon after we spoke about the final 10 minutes in the second half. But for me, James, I don't see drastic changes, but for, I'd, I would like to see Ethan Ryan keep his place. No, I, yeah, I think he'll keep his place. And I think it'd just be one change, maybe Hadley and for Kynost and yeah. start. And if he passes that test for maybe Johnson, it wasn't wasn't bad, but I think he's got to have starting in ahead of him. I think he had a decent game, Johnson. He got he got stuck in the near past. It's funny, uh, James, because just wondering a bit. Yeah, well, it's funny with Kynos because he he lined up in the second row, didn't he? Um, he got through thirty tackles. I don't I don't know what minute he came on. It must have been seventy two, seventy three, and he made thirty tackles in about twenty eight minutes. So yeah, so did, did you? <laughs> I mean, is it, I think it's his obviously the last year of his contract. Last season he got found out to York. And and I mean my point about Kynos playing this game is that if it, Tony Smith don't see a future with him, you might as well. There's no point playing him because you might as well play someone like I don't know an Owen Harrison or something like that because they obviously they've got more of a future at the club. But you can't deny that when Kynos plays, it's, it contributes massively to the team. Um, and, and even that short spell against Castleford, he, he still contributed a, a lot to the. And lots of the game. Yeah, I I like Kynos when he were at Leeds. I thought he was a good utility man. I think I think he was the best player. I might be in twenty sixteen after the one that you know when they were decimated by injuries and they had no one left. He was he was probably the most consistent player that season. He's come to Rovers. I think it's a money thing more than anything. He's on a really big salary and they obviously want want to get him off the cap. That just hasn't happened in the off-season. No one's going to take him on the wage that he's on now. So it's just a case of trying to keep him on loan deal somewhere. But again, they want, they want the loan team to, to contribute to that as well. And it's proved a bit of a struggle. It's a um, funny one that you mentioned about the salary cap, isn't it, mate? It's, and that's probably the biggest reason why Jimmy Carnos doesn't really fit. Because I think he is a consistent player, James. And I really like him. I probably prefer him in the pack. You mentioned there about Leeds and stuff. He was so highly rated in his early days at Leeds, you know, when he was replacing like Watkins and Joel Mill when they picked up injuries. He probably got off, and we always say that dream debut against LFC scoring in the last minute, he becomes this cult hero, one of the most famous tries in Ulkingston Rovers history, 100% because of who it was against in the final minute. And it's kind of gone downhill from there. He hit the eights in game one, and now everything he does he'll probably always be compared to that because he's never going to score a try of that magnitude ever again or put in a performance like that. It's kind of overshadowed him, hasn't he? And I think Tim Sheen signed him, Tony's come in, he's still on a big wage 
and ultimately it's probably his last season at Old Kingston Rovers, but it's a shame because he has put a bit of beef on. And for me, he's a bit more of an experienced head compared to people like Matty Staunton, who I really, I really like Matty Staunton, but he's a lot more experienced than him. And Louis Johnson as well. I can't see it, but for me, James, I, I really like Jimmy Carnos, and I don't. I know his defence is a bit of an issue, but oh, he's in the Old Kingston Rovers. He does offer you that little bit more, but I can't see him play many games this season, mate. No, he won't. Yeah, no. he runs good lines as well. He's he's a threat with with bowling, and like you say, his, his defense is a bit suspect. I think his squad number says it all. He's, you know, I was surprised he came in the other day, and he came in for the friendly as well. I wasn't expecting that, but I think I don't think we'll see much of him. No, I think when you get the 33 shirt, mate, it, um, it seems that you're out the back door. But before yeah. we move on, mate, just that then final seven minutes, it's. It's just typical Kingston Rovers and that all that urgency. I mean, when Kenny Dow scored and then Abdul back to back, it it was like unbelievable. It was like, right, that's it. We're in the next yeah. round. Build on this for the lead. You mentioned that Daryl Olfert's try. He'd have scored if he'd have walked in. He had so much room. Bit of magic from McShane, even though it was a bit of an obstruction call. Still unbelievable. I thought it was amazing, the number nine. And then the last minute just epitomises everything that's wrong with OKR at the minute. It's so frustrating. The problem is watching it on the hour league app. It's not. Um, it's about ten seconds behind, and my phone went off and buzzed, and I didn't look at it because I thought, please just say full time. Mm. And then that happened. I turned my phone off, and it said Turner in the last minute. For me, I think it was Phil Barrett put a photo on of the defensive line, and everyone's at sixes and sevens. You had half the people stood on the halfway line. People on the 30, Mikey Lewis acting as a centre, going back for the kick, Minikin and all them. There's so many names. And we, like I said, the Rovers were knackered. But it's such a big, you know, kick in the teeth. Conceding in the 80th minute again from nowhere, mate. It was a bit like the Wild to West, wasn't it? They just, it, was like a, it was like a rugby league live game on the Xbox. You just passed it from one side, passed it to the other, did a little sidestep. And then you go 40, 50 metres and... If the crowd was there, that atmosphere would have been decimated. But for you, when he went in in that last minute, what was the reaction of the players? Because the problem is they are showing passion. And when they were scoring all them tries, everyone getting around each other, doing the celebrations. I know the daft COVID celebrations, but there is passion and fight in this team. And they do seem like they're a good bunch, like friends, and they all want to work for each other. But it's that Ulkingston Rovers poisonous disease where as soon as we get put under pressure, we can't control it, mate. And to concede three tries in eight minutes... And again, concede 26 points and a half. We've got to man up, haven't we? And we've got to be better because them last eight minutes were tragic. Yeah. The, the attitude can't be questioned for me. No. Commitment and attitude, they're spot on. It's just finding that way to win. I, th- I think they actually, game management were, were an issue late on in normal time. But I think the fans up for the kick, didn't they? Deep in cast territory in that last minute. So Cass had to go 90 metres to score in that set, I think. Yeah, and then I said it shows that they've still got that fight and the what they're for Daryl Powell. Obviously, it was announced yeah. that he was going to Warrington, he wants to go out with some silverware. And the Challenge Cup's probably their best bet. And even though they haven't got the flashiest names like Jordan Turner, Daryl Powell has a he has that power to bring the best out of mediocre players like he did when they got to the grand final. And they've got a lot of spirit, mate, to come back to show that. But we let him and we probably bent over and it was a bit too easy, wasn't it? It was, yeah, and like I say, in, in Golden Point, it was just a matter of when he could have gone on another 10 minutes. I don't think Rovers would have had a proper shot at goal. It was, I think Cass just got obsessed with the drop goal. They made a few breaks. It would have been easy. Just got, they could have had a walking tryout wide, I think, but just they got obsessed with the, the drop goal. 
I think Daryl Powell touched on that himself. But yeah, it, like I say, it was just a matter of Cass, when Cass had win that game once it went into golden point and when you saw the pattern emerge in the first couple of sets. But yeah, I think it's just a case of getting over the line. I think if Rovers win that Catalan game or, or win a game before that, get the monkey off the bat, they, they close out that game against Cass. I think it's just a case of getting that first win under the belt and then the, they'll be all right from there. But it needs to come soon, doesn't it? Mm. What well, one thing that's creeped into to, I mean, well not creeped into our performances but obviously on social media is that the referee seems to be getting a bit of stick especially against Centrelands and even against uh, Castleford and and do, James do you honestly think that what any of the referees decisions has have, have cost Rover to the point where it's pre- prohibited us from winning the games there was a few dubious calls weren't they in Golden Point I think the the main issue was he he wasn't making any decisions really. No, he, he was he was determined not to give a penalty to anyone yeah. because he didn't want to give it and they win the game on the back of his penalties. Yeah. That was the, clear, wasn't it? Six agains towards the end, weren't they? When yeah, everyone were out on the feet, but he, he, he wouldn't give a penalty. Um, I think again, Phil Barrett pitched on, didn't he? Oh, I stop mentioning him because if he's <laughs> listening to this, look, Paul McShane on square when Rovers are having a shot go. I mean, it's tough to give those decisions in live in the ref. And then there was a Corbin Sims knock on strip, on the about 40 metres out, just to the right of the post, and he, he gave a knock on rather than a penalty. I think it takes a and if you're a top referee like he is, Robert, it's You've got to back yourself. If it's, he's, he's seen it as a knock-on, but it's one of those. Is he? Is it a 50-50 and he's thinking, I can't give this as a penalty? I don't know. But yeah, I can. it's hard for us. Isn't it? It's only natural to err on the side of caution, but there, there were a lot of penalties there. It's like, it's like when you get to the end of the season, when it's the playoffs and the, the grand final, you, they don't give anything, do they? Why can't they do that? throughout the season it's just a bit weird the mentality they get themselves into in certain games and certain periods of games yeah we just want that consistency don't we but ultimately refs don't concede 33 points and that means Ulkingston Rovers are out at the first chance in the Challenge Cup losing 32-33 to the Castleford Tigers in Golden Point and we move on back to Super League now and the Huddersfield Giants are at um, Hull College Craven Park this week I'll go through the Huddersfield team first and then we'll speak about the Giants. Uh, Ian Watson's Huddersfield Giants. So they're going to line up with Jermaine McGilvery, Jake Wardle, Daniel McIntosh, Lee Gaskell, Aidan Caesar, Luke Yates, Adam O'Brien, Michael Lawrence, Kenny Edwards, Josh Jones and Matty English, Jack Cogger, Chris McQueen, Jack Ashworth, James Cunningham, Oliver Wilson, Leroy Cudjo, James Gavette, Louis Senior, Sam Wood and Ronan Michael. Chris first, I think. Huddersfield, they're going through a bit of a transition. It's a massive change for Ian Watson. I know he's brought a few people over. You look at Luke Yates, who I absolutely think is a cracking player. They've got quality all around the pitch, Huddersfield. And if they can gel, there can be a real quiet threat. I think a lot of people have wrote them off because of Ian Watson moving. But you look at Jermaine McGilvery, Jake Wardle, a centre, future England star for me. I think he's unbelievable. And their main man, Aidan Caesar's, Aiden Caesar's back. Sorry, but for me, Chris... They're just a normal team. I saw a lot of people mentioning about Aidan Caesar. Yeah, he's a brilliant player, but we've got to match him and we can't afford to go, oh God, 
their marquee man's player. We've got to stop making them little excuses and meet them face on. And I think, again, we've got to win the floor because Michael Lawrence, Kenny Edwards, so aggressive in attack. And I think if Ian Watson gets them playing, they're going to be a real threat because he's got a lot more quality in that Uddersfield team than he did at Salford. I don't know what you think about the Giants, Chris, but I think they're a really good team on the day. We've just got to match them because, again, they're a bit like LKR. You catch them off guard and they're very easy to beat. But if they're on form, they're a hell of a threat. Yeah, mate, I'd argue that we need to do more than match them because I think we've seen... In the previous games, we've we've been more than able to match teams. I think what we need to do is actually is actually dominate the game. We need to we need to control the game. And and what worries me is the fact that Caesar's back now. So you you add him into Caesar, Coggin, and uh, Gaskell, and it's, you know it's quite a formidable um, you know free pivot they've got there. So you know I think. I'd have been a lot more confident if Caesar wasn't coming into that team. The fact he is means that I'm a bit more worried. Rovers, you know, what Rovers is going to turn up is, you know, that we've shown that we can score points. Fundamentally, we've seen that we can concede points. And, you know, I'm scratching my head in terms of Rovers because I don't know what, what's going to turn up. Obviously, we're still missing Takarangi. Um, what I would say is Ian Watson has gone to Huddersfield to do a job to make them better. So it's only a matter of time before they do start registering wins because we saw him do the same thing at Salford. Um, I don't expect Huddersfield to be near the bottom at the end of the table. So, like I said, it's only a matter of time before they start getting wins. I just hope that the first win under Ian Watson isn't when it's uh, against Hulkington Rovers. Yeah, I mean, they picked up that victory in the Challenge Cup, didn't they? But they've lost to MLFC and Catalans in the league. So they're still on zero points, James. But they're a weird one, aren't they? But for you, writing about Ulkay, I mean, we can talk about it on the podcast, but you've got to write it and publish it and get the stick off the fans. It's so hard because we get we don't know who's going to turn up. Rovers could be 26-0 down on Friday after 20 minutes, or they could be 13-0 up at half-time and still get beat. Until that final whistle, you don't know if Rovers are going to turn into Melbourne Storm or play like they did when they looked like Westall under-14s last week, the defensive efforts or whether kids game, won it? They looked like the defence, the back end of that cast game. It must be so hard and it's so frustrating for us as fans, but for you, James, who's come in and, you know, as a neutral and now obviously becoming a bit of a fan of the club, writing about the club being so close, it's you just haven't got a clue and it's all right us talking about it. We'll probably be completely wrong because I don't think the players know what team's going to turn up. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So inconsistent. Yeah. Well, you're out with me as a Leeds United fan. What? 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 Oh. James, we don't talk oh. about that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to make a comparison because obviously my year, my 30 odd years of supporting them has prepared me for um, covering Hulkin. What, what it's, the European champions? Like, uh, it's just a bit chaotic. Um, <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen next. Year. I think well, obviously Leeds have settled down a bit now, but OKR where Leeds were a few years ago, you just don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. I, I think it's it was six months yesterday, so our last one. We probably don't want reminder of that, but it's a long time to go without without a win and that, enjoying that winning feeling. I know, obviously, I'm a big sports fan myself. I'm really into KR now, and you just you love to win, don't you? It just sets you up for the weekend. And, and when you haven't got that win and you lose on a Friday night, it just ruins your weekend, doesn't it? So it is. It's coming, but it's got to come soon because if you if you're not beating Catalan and you're not beating obviously St Helens, who, who are the best side in the comp. 
you're not you're not beating Huddersfield, and if you lose to Leeds next week, you're not beating them. Who, who are who are you going to beat? So it's looking like these next few weeks will probably define whether we'll definitely be a relegation battle or whether Rovers can aim a little higher this season. James, if you look at us, so especially the quads, squads that have been announced. Do you know what? I'm really confident in our forwards. I think Vete is getting fitter. I think he's he's starting to look sharper. I think in King and Lawler, you've got two players there who are, who are I think they're relishing the battles. I think they're really coming up. Their game's coming, re, you know, really on. I, I just suppose what I'm saying is, if you look at the two squads, I think Huddersfield... Do you agree that Huddersfield's squad is probably stronger? Um, and it's potentially... You know, Huddersfield will probably identifying the game against Rovers to be their first W. And um, as much as Rovers, you know, we want it to be our first win. Um, I think Huddersfield are really going to target this game to get to get that first win. Yeah, I do like the look of Huddersfield. Obviously, Ian Watson proved himself at Salford. He's a great, great coach, and he's the worry for me. If it, if it was Huddersfield with another coach, I won't. Won't be too worried after, after seeing Rovers the way they started last week. If Rovers would love to bottle that that start up because it's been so long since they they were able to do that. If they can do that again on Friday, I think they'll go on to win it. But it's just whether they they can manage to do that. But like you mentioned, the pack, I think there's really encouraging signs there. George King's been a revelation. Didn't see much of this from him back in the last season. Understandably, I think he was furloughed for a few months at Wakey, so he, or he obviously. He didn't have any time on the training field, really. Um, then you've got um, Corbin Sims, who's who's made a big impact. I think the other two are aggressive, Mustafa and Vete, but Sims is a different kind of aggression. I think he he looks like he enjoys hurting people and even getting hurt himself. Although he was in Cloud Cuckoo Land one at St Helens, he didn't <laughs> enjoy that too much. But you know, what I mean, he, he looks like that kind of player who just relishes it and goes goes after that that contact and that. I think if he I was going to say Jamie, James Jones James, going to come on in a minute I was going to say do you do you think actually now Corbin Sim has come in and part of his job is to maybe bring on George King and George Lawler because what I'm starting to see is uh, Lawler and, and King have a much more aggressive side to their game which is more aligned to what Corbin Sims would play I just wonder if maybe Maybe the club ethos has been around signing Sims to actually influence these players and 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 add to their game because I, I think there's been a real change, in, especially uh, Lawler, um, how they they're playing their game at the moment. I think so, maybe long term, but they've got a long way to go on that front because they do seem a bit too nice still for for, for my liking. I like a player like Sims will go around trying to. Not knock people's heads off like like in the olden days, but you know what I mean. Try and hurt people. I think they've got a long long way to go until they they're a feared pack. But they're hard working, aren't they? Um, I think everyone in that pack's hard working, and and they are starting to get more go forward as well. And I, I like the look of Mustafa. Didn't seem to play many minutes last week. Betty obviously didn't play many minutes, so a lot of it was resting on Lawler and King and and Sims to a lesser extent. The the work they got through was phenomenal. But they just need a little bit more help this Friday, I think. Yeah, I think that aggressiveness is massive 
in Super League, I think the pack's got to be aggressive. You've got to have that nastiness about you because the best teams, you know, they go on that pitch and they turn into different people. You've got to have that, you know, bit of bastard about you. And these are the 21-man squad hoping to give that to Huddersfield Giants on Friday. So Rovers are going to line up with Adam Quinlan, Ben Crooks, Greg Minikin, the skipper Sean Kennedale, Ryan Hall, Jordan Abdul, Albert Vette, Matt Parcell and Corbin Sims. Kane Lynette, Dean Hadley, Jez Litton and George Lawler with George King, Mikey Lewis, Ethan Ryan, Rowan Milnes, Louis Johnson, Muz Mustafa and Jimmy Carnos. James, I think we spoke earlier, didn't we, about who we think will play. We mentioned about Ethan Ryan um, keeping his place. For me, I think Dean Hadley will come back in for Louis Johnson, like you said, but it's probably not going to be a massive changes for all KR. And ultimately, it's again, same as last week. We've got to carry on in attack. We've got to be a bit more smarter and better in defence. And hopefully we can pick that victory up because the thing is, even if we do beat Uddersfield, it's brilliant. We've set we've set the first win up. We've got the platform, but we've got to be more consistent because I can't remember the last time we picked up back-to-back back victories. We, it's all right just winning the odd game, but to be steady in Super League, to cement our place, to have that 10, 9, 4, 8 finish or whatever we want to be this year, which we are still a bit off. We've got to start picking up consecutive victories. So I hope we can kick off against Huddersfield. But for me, mate, that Rovers team's not going to change loads. And we've got to just go again. It's the same in week in, week out now until we get a victory. On back-to-back wins, I think it was July 2018, wasn't it, in Super League? The was it? Who was trying to think who that was against? Was that Widness and Hull? I think the second game was Widness. Yeah, I don't know. I think... I'm not counting Super 8s. So I don't think the the one back-to-back in the Super 8, so I uh, might, might be wrong, yeah. but I think the second game was Witness. Yeah. Back-to-back back wins isn't a, a, a phrase that Rover supporters use, so oh. so it's alien to us. It's nearly three years now, that's just ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, you think last year was <laughs> heavily destructive, but three years is... <clears throat> and you don't know when it's going to end, either. hopefully... Ideally, it'd be Wakey and Lee next week. That would be decent. That's about <laughs> next month, wouldn't they? What, what I want to know is, James, now Minicella is... Uh, oh, not Minicella, because I get uh, a few tweets about this. Well, uh, it's Minchella. Yeah, it's um, not Anthony Minchella. Yeah, it's not, it's not Minicella, who was at the uh, dipshits across the river. Um, <laughs> Minchella. But... Is George Lawler Rovers lose forward now? Because obviously Tony Smith started him twice now. Mm. So is George Lawler the the lose forward going forward? Well, Tony mentioned horses, of course, is in the the off season. I think it will be a case of that. I mean, you could you could get Brad Takarangi coming in if Michael Lewis keeps his place. You could put Jordan Abdul to to thirteen. Um, and we, we mentioned about the the hooking. The hooking situation, if if Takarangi does start in the halves and Abdul's in the halves as well, when um, a forward goes off, then um, Takarangi, sorry, Takarangi can move into the pack and then Jez Litton can go to, to scrum half. So that's one way. I think he he just brings you a lot of options than Takarangi. They've missed him in the first few games, his quality and that versatility that he's got whereby you can move things around a bit more than, than he has been able to. Well, would you not think, um, I don't know, maybe Hadley or even Stoughton might be in more natural fit at that loose forward position? Cause, I mean, especially Hadley, he's played there for for Hull FC for, you know, for, for quite a few games. Um, as a, 
is Tony Smith to try and be a bit too clever here by moving around the players? You know, we've talked already about them two, two hookers on the pitch and complementing the half-backs, etc. You know, do, do, do you not think that the loose forward position maybe just suits an, a, a normal out-and-out loose forward, maybe someone like Hadley? I think Hadley's better, better suited to it than, than Lola. I think Lola is almost a prop now anyway. He's getting through that work. He, put, he plays in the middle and he's, he don't bring you the, the ball work that Minchella does. Um, in terms of Hadley, he's, he could play in the middle. He's obviously been on the edge now, but he's such a hard worker that he'll get through 50, 60 tackles in a game and he brings you a bit more in attack as well. So I definitely that way if, if everyone's fit in the second row positions. And I'd definitely go Hadley at loose forward, but I think this week they're a bit short, aren't they? Where the hell is Takarangi, James? We're going to move on to Brad Takarangi. <laughs> a little bit of a groin strain. Come as our marquee, man. I can't wait to see him play. We saw about 40, um, 50 minutes, didn't we, in the pre-season match. He's out for a week. Four weeks later, I think he's, um, must get, he must keep missing the bus to game days because he's not. He's never in there, is he? What's going on, mate? I can't wait to see Brad Takarangi. I think he's going to add so much for this squad. But at the minute, it's just another Australian now, New Zealand, and that roves of sand, and we can't get him on the pitch. What's the latest? Well, the latest is he's back <laughs> next what week. Pretty yeah, exactly, pretty much <laughs> what he's been every week for the past three or four weeks. So he'll be back next. He said in his presser yesterday, Tony Smith, that he hasn't done enough top end running to to be in consideration for this week. But if he does that this week, then he'll play next week. But you just you don't know what to believe, do you? Because as I say, I don't have those normal conversations with, with Tony at the moment. So it's it's hard to get a read on it. But I think at first, it's fair enough he was named in that first squad because I don't think they knew the extent of the damage at that point. So they're just seeing if he could make it. But then for him to come out and say, I don't think it'll be too far away or it'll be another week, like a couple of weeks ago, and then two weeks later and we're still waiting to see him. It's a, it's not great, is it? It's not, he's not kidding anyone, is he? The opposition is just kidding the fans at the moment I don't know yeah. what the game is because obviously he's not named in any squad so it's not a case of keeping the opposition guessing but I think if he were just straight at the start and said it's going to be a three four five week or, or whatever it's going to be then I think fans can handle that but when you've got that anticipation when the squad comes out or for a press conference and then he's injured again for another week and then he said yesterday that the timeline's pretty much spot on so, because I asked him if it's more serious than he, he initially expected, and he said no, it's pretty much been spot on. So, begs the question: why, why not just be open from the start? I'm, I'm starting to think, James, that actually he was injured before that Castleford pre-season friendly, and actually that was a tester for him, and and he's not come through the test, <laughs> and actually he's, he's come across with a longer term injury. God knows what it'd be because I don't know where he's picked it up from because he hasn't been playing for you know a good few months. But I, I think that Castleford game uh, pre-season friendly was was actually uh, a, a game to test him, um, and he's not come through it. And now, you know, I think I think obviously you know as a club, and this is a problem because like you said, you don't get the access to Tony Smith. I think the pr- protecting an asset. And I think the 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 looking after him in terms of not wanting to put any too much, you know, the controlling the 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 news around Takarangi because at the moment 
and and even when he was signed him, he was the poster boy, wasn't he? He was sort of, you know, other than Ryan Hall, he's the poster boy. Literally the poster boy, Chris. It was all over um, Nick um, um, O'Reilly. Yeah, and, and, and I think what they're doing now is protecting the asset in terms of not wanting to expose him to any negative um, news or etc. But I don't think he would... Vete is a very different player. Whatever happened to him over there... But he's come across and he, and he can work out his fitness. Where I think Takarangi, I'm starting to question whether he was, he's got a longer term injury. And we saw it with Terry Campese. We signed a player who was good on paper, but ultimately they weren't fit enough to play. And 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 Rover supporters, I know, will be questioning that now because we've already we've already had social media messages coming into us saying. Actually, it's Sakarangi, the latest off the line of someone we took a gamble on. So it'd be really interesting to get your, t- uh, get your take on it, James. I do love a good conspiracy theory, but <laughs> I, do, I do think he was injured in that in the days leading up to the Catalan game. I think. And I do think it was a four-weeker or whatever it's going to be. I don't, I don't know why Tony's been really coy about it, but... Hopefully we've a team out there next week to put it to bed. The Rovers need him out there, don't they? He's, he's going to be such an important player this year. Like you say, he was, he was the main signing, wasn't he? For what he brought to the side in terms of that versatility and the quality and the experience. So I need him out there. He didn't, he didn't get involved that much, did he, in the friendly? Which I can understand why you might think that he had a bit of a knock or something. Um, he just seemed to be playing within himself that day. So I just... I just all the players and I'll play against Leeds next week. They're another team who'll probably have five or six players back. Like, huh. see, how does it feel with Caesar this week? Yeah, yeah. I think he just need he needs game time, doesn't he, mate? And I think another person who needs game time is Joe Keys, and he's gone to York City Knights on a two-week loan deal. They're a weird one out of these two-week loan deals. The club said that they can confirm that Joe Keys will join Betfred Championship outfit York City Knights on a two-week loan deal. The move will aid help um, aid Joe's progression as he targets a spot in Tony Smith's starting lineup once he returns. I think they they have the pros and cons, and York have announced free loan signings, and they will work. It's how much is Joe Keys, especially as an halfback, going to gel and control that York pack if he starts. It's not like he's going to go and play prop forward and just run and tackle James. Before I go to Chris, what's your thoughts on it? Because for me, he's a he's a fringe player. I don't. I think he'll when he runs his deal at the end of the year. I think he'll move on. So many players have done that for Rovers, and he's taken up room on the cap. He's probably a championship player, and this is no disrespect to him. And I think he's going to really go well at York, and that might put him in good stead for next year. He could even find a club out of this. But the beauty of these two-week loan deals, we can extend him. He's getting game time, and he can come into the squad if he needs to, if we pick up a few injuries. But what's your thoughts? You obviously have seen him a bit around training and know him a little bit better than we do. But for me, him going to York on a two-week loan deal, it's, it doesn't really affect Hulkingston Rovers at the minute because I don't think he's anywhere near getting over Mikey Jordan, Jez or Matt Parcell. No, it doesn't seem like it, does it? He only played five times last year as well. He's, he's been really hampered by injuries. But when I spoke to Tony last, last year, he was bigging him up. He seemed to really like him. So I don't know. If he, if he does manage to get to full fitness, gets a few games under his belt, it might come into contention and might end up leapfrogging Rowan Milnes, who I think was the 18th man last week. Mm. Um, so, so I wouldn't write him off completely. I think there is a player in there, but whether he's good enough to play at Super League, we still don't know. Do we? Because he, he hasn't played enough. 
It'll, it'll, be really, it'll be really interesting to see how he, how he gets on it, y'all. Mm. Well, to, to be honest with you, I think he's, he's, he, like, he's not going to play for Rovers, is he? Because, it, you know, obviously uh, Tony Smith's gone with Abdul and Lewis as the half-back partnership. So that that is... Uh, and then we're talking about Sakurangi playing there. Um, so, so, you know, what my biggest frustration with this loan thing is, is, is how Lee are taking advantage of it mm. and how they're able to sign players from, um, you know, the Super League champions on a two-week uh, loan. So, potentially, you've got players coming from a, 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 a title-winning team and then they're going helping out a, a team who was struggling at the bottom of the league, which has for me, has a detrimental effect on the competition. I know that's a totally different argument, but I, I just, I, I can't. Super League teams shouldn't be able to loan players to other Super League teams because I, I just think it skews the competition. It's tough, isn't it? Because I understand where you're coming from, but then you see it in the Prem sometimes. And it is, it's weird, isn't it, when teams go, yeah, you, let, you know, you get loan people going to other your divisional rivals. And I think the beauty of Lee, they've got a bit of close contact with the likes of Warrington and Saints, and they love it because they can send their young kids to Lee for a few weeks. You know, it doesn't really matter what happens, but they're getting the individual performances in Super League. And ultimately, it works well for both teams. League strengthen their squad, they get more numbers, more depth. And these young yeah, kids... Yeah, don't, but don't you think, Joe, that's wrong? Don't you think that 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 that's, that's not fair, is it? Why, I don't know. I should don't... be able to take advantage of uh, or benefit from another team's uh, players for the, for the sake of two, two or four weeks? And that, I think, is that what you're on about, like, the length? Is that because I'm just thinking, like... For Rovers, you look back at some of the loan signings they've had and who have worked really well. You'll probably Sean Lund in 2015, the best loan deal that turned into a fee, um, you know, and stuff like that. So it can work both ways. No, but what I'm saying is now because you've not got you've not got the reserve grade competition, etc. Yeah. Potentially, St. Helens could send someone on loan. I'm, I'm not saying that Wigan, whoever, yeah. Warrington could send someone on loan like um, Greg Inglis. He could go on loan to Lee for two weeks to get him uh, game time. And then two games could be against us and Wakefield. Yeah. And this is, you know, hypothetical. And that's not, I know that's not the scenario. But what I'm saying is another team in our competition can strengthen another team in our competition to the detrimental effects of the other teams. And I just don't think it's fair. It's a tough one, James. I don't know how you'll feel about it. I mean, it's the, the mainly young kids out there that's happening at the moment. Um, I think it was Josh Sim wanted and they've had a few of us. I think Jake Wingfield went and then he got recalled back. So that is the problem. There is negatives to it. But it, it, it's how you're going. It, Lee can, if Lee are doing this and they're playing by the rules, it, it is a weird one. But at the moment, anyone could do it. Um, championship teams are doing it. You've mentioned York there, but I don't know how you'll feel about it, mate. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? These two-week loans and then going to a divisional rival, it's a bit up in air. Yeah, I can see as a fan why, why you might not like it, but the players that they're just out on loan at the moment, they're not going to really... No. I think they're going to take Lee on to the next level, but I can see where you're coming from with the rules the way they are at the moment, but there's nothing stopping OKR to do the same thing, so... But obviously, Lee, I think it's a, it's a massive opportunity for Rovers if 
over the next month or so, if they can just put six points between themselves and Lee, I think that's job done for me. I think Lee, from what I've seen in that Warrington game, they've just got torn to shreds, didn't they? They looked, they looked way off it. So I think I think they're down for me. <laughs> I don't want to. I, really... I don't want to go too early, but. Okay, yeah, James. I was gonna say, don't, <laughs> don't go too early. No, I'm going. I'm going early. That, that, <laughs> People are gonna to listen to this podcast when um, I'm, I'm not gonna say, not gonna say them words. But um, a bit off topic and off rovers and tran- um, on about transfer fees. It's not official yet, but there is rumours that Cronulla Sharks Andrew Fafita is going to join um, a little KR rival in Wakefield Trinity. It's such a big. It's a big coup. I know he's not the player he was. He's been playing at um, Newtown Jets. But Chris, he's a big name, isn't he, Andrew Fafita? And they've missed. Um, they've took Adam Tangatar off the cap. He's gone to Halifax. He's coming to the end of his career. I know he's only 31, but he has picked up a few injuries. And it's just a bit of an odd one. His brother mentioned it on the coach on the way home. And now all the Wakefield fans are buzzing. They wanted Chris Chester out. But now the fact that a State of Origin star and a Tongan international is going to join their ranks is probably going to happen. What's your thoughts on it, mate? Because it can be it could be hit and miss, can't it? We could get the best of him, that offload game, that slick running star like his brother. Or we can get that star like his brother where he's lazy, he misses games, he's injury prone. So it's a bit of a bit, another massive name coming to Super League. It's not official, but it could go 50-50, Chris. I don't know what to think about it. Yeah, well, hopefully, I, I hope it goes shit, to be honest. Yeah, because, I do. Because if it goes well, it means Wakefield. And um, I guess he's not had a tour of Wakefield Stadium yet, so I can't I can't see that being a big selling point for him. Um, I'm guessing his brother's the biggest selling point. And um, I'm guessing he won't be living around Wakefield. He'll probably be living in Leeds somewhere. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it... it I think it's going to happen, isn't it? Because all the talk is it's been broke uh, in the media, etc. You know, there's no denying if you get him on his day, it'd be one of the best forwards in the competition. Yeah. How many days he has where he is the best forward in the competition? A big question mark. Um, and consistency is a big problem. You know, the, the biggest question is where he's going to be banned for three games. Because obviously he's banned uh, in Australia, where that transfers to Super League. Yeah, people aren't quite sure yet about that. Um, he's going to be a massive signing for Wakefield, but you know what I'd say is: is is that player going to be the one who's the difference between them staying up or potentially going down? And I'd argue that he isn't because the consistency just won't be there with him, mate. No, no, I totally agree. Um, I think it's one of them. He'll probably sign until the end of the season. It could work, but if they're putting all their eggs in that basket, it's probably not going to work out. And I know we're saying this as Rovers fans because I do believe they'll be at the bottom of the table with us and Lee and probably Salford, in my opinion. So I, I hope if he does come over, he does um, struggle. But that is for another day and we'll see if that becomes official. And we're going to move on now. We like doing our tipping league. We're back. We didn't do it for the Challenge Cup, but we're going to go through the games get James involved as well. I'll always come to you first, James, and then I'll go to Chris because we're going to start off with tomorrow's game on telly. It's Leeds against the Wigan Warriors. I think Leeds are missing a few out there. I think Kyle Eastman's going to make his debut for the Rhinos, Richard Agar said. But Wigan are hitting a bit of form. They beat York last week. York played really well in the Challenge Cup. I watched a bit of it. But for me, James, I think Wigan are going to be a bit too strong and I think they'll pick up the two points. Yeah, I think, I think the same. Leeds have got too many missing. I think 
really good dig at the Saints at the weekend. Um, but yeah, they've just got too many players missing. And Eastmond, when was the last time he played league? When was the last time he played any game? So it's a big ask for him to come in and control things against that Wigan side. So yeah, Wigan for me. Chris? Yeah, I think, I think like you said, Eastman, when did he play? And also, they were talking about playing in one of the most pivotal positions in rugby league. So it's it's a big ask for him. The Leeds have obviously got a lot of injuries. Um, and obviously, we play them very soon. So we're hoping them, you know, injuries continue. But I, I, I think Wigan are going to be uh, one of the standout teams this season. Um, they always are. <laughs> you know, uh, no doubt. The, the grand final will be Wigan and Saints. Um, so I can't see anything other than a Wigan victory today. Uh, not today, but uh, for that game. Yeah, it depends when people listen. If you listen on Thursday, Chris. <laughs> <is right. laughs> and then there is three games on Friday. We'll start with a six o'clock kickoffs. It's Castleford Tigers at the Menderhose Jungle there, hosting the Lee Centurions, who made Anthony Gellin a signing this week. And we'll speak about that another day when we play the Lee Centurions. But for me, James, I'm saying it because I don't want Lee to win a game. I do believe Castle will be too strong. They've started really well. Castleford always play well at um, the Jungle or whatever you want to call it, Wielden Road. For me, the Tigers pick up two points. Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's any question in this one, unless they have a massive drop-off after that game last week. But then again, Lee played played Sunday, didn't they? So I think that, that cancels that out. But yeah, I think as I said last time around, um, I thought Castle go pretty well this season after the Daryl Powell news. That, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier. You want to send him out on high, and I think they'll end up in top four. You don't need to get in top four this year, do you? But I think that's where they might end up. Chris? Yeah, Cass. 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 <laughs> you know, I think... Yeah, really. I think they're going really strong, and um, the, I, I think what's really impressive about Cass is the brand of rugby that they're playing. Mm. They, they're playing a really attractive game, and I can obviously see why Warrington have signed signed him. It, it, um, it, it's interesting to see why um, the when you talk about Lee Radford being a potential replacement, <laughs> you know, the, the the style of rugby is going to change phenomenally. So it's. Uh, uh, it's really interesting, but no, Cass for me. Yeah, so all we're getting all Cass so far. Then the next game, six o'clock, same kickoff. The champion St Helens host Wakefield Trinity. James for me, short and simple. I think the same as Cass and Lee. I think Saints are going to have too much for them, and I think the pressure's um, mounting on Chris Chester now. There's a lot of fans wanting him out, and I think they're going to get a bit of a, a drubbing at St Helens. Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be one way traffic in it. <clears throat> I believe so, yeah. Chester out, Chris. What's the thought? Saints or Wakey? I think Chester's biggest problem was getting Andy Laston and Willie Poaching on board because yeah. they're probably two people who were touting themselves for the head coach's job. Um, so he's strengthened his, his backroom staff, but actually he's, he's probably strengthened the arguments to get rid of him. Um, I can't back anything other than a Wakefield defeat. Yeah, you never know. Andy Last or Willie Poach, you might be head coach in a few weeks if they carry on. So, all agreeing with Wigan, Cass and Saints. And then the game we're all interested in, 7.45 on Sky Sports Arena, Craven Park, Hulkingston Rovers host the Huddersfield Giants. I did back them against Saints, but I'm going to back the Robins this week. I think they're going to come firing. Hopefully, it can be a bit more defend- and better defensive effort. But for me, I think Rovers just tip it. I'm saying it with my heart. 
it could go the other way. And it, like we mentioned, Huddersfield might put 30 on us, or we might put 30 on Huddersfield. Let's see. But for me, James, Robbins kick off the campaign. Two points. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards that as well. Yeah. Like you, I don't know if it's the heart or the head, but <laughs> I do think they're getting closer. And I think this week, if we do it if it's with a bit more composure and um, in seeing the game out, I think we can do it. It's just how they handle Caesar. I think it might be an opportunity for Rovers if he does play. He's, he's going to be undercooked, isn't he? Send Sims after him early on, knock him off his game, and then game done. Game one. So, so, so right, mate. Head or heart, Christopher, what's going on at Craven Park on Friday? Mate, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always back in Rovers, so... You're, you're um, a good I, man. I remember that, like, was it when we scored 38... Oh, um, and then Mullane went the full, nearly the full length, and then offloaded and passed. And we we got that unexpected win on a Friday night. I'm praying for for that. So I'm I'm going to go for Rovers. I just, you know, otherwise I can't keep backing against them. Otherwise, it's going to be a shit season if we can. <laughs> Yeah, it is, mate. Yeah, it was a great night under the floodlights. Pissed it down in Huddersfield. Danny Maguire scoring his first yeah. Robbins. It was a great game in that um, pink and grey kick. 2018 first win of 2018. And hopefully it'll be the first win of um, 2021. And then we'll go... The last to... time KRB Huddersfield as well, wasn't it? You are the stat man, game. <laughs> That's why we... This is stat why man, we... there he goes. He's got one. <laughs> Don't hold me to that. I think so. I've talked my head. <laughs> Perfect. So all the Rovers win, hopefully. And then on the Saturday, it's back to Saturday night rugby in the south of France. A weird one because um, London are not going to go to Toulouse because of COVID and all them restrictions. But Salford are heading to the Catalans Dragons. It's a it's a weird one. I mean, I don't think Salford are as bad as people are saying, James. But for me, I think Catalans play really well at home. I don't think there's any spectators there because it has got worse, hasn't it, COVID in France. I know we played them with a few spectators last season. But for me, I think the Dragons have started strong. Sam Tompkins, best player in the comp at the minute. I think the Dragons pick up two points at home. Yeah, another pretty straightforward straight one, I think. Um, I think yeah. it will improve as the, as the year goes on, but I think they're going to be in that group of four at the bottom. Yeah, I believe so. Chris, what about you, mate? French victory? Yeah, yeah I think Matt Maron's really got the dynamic between Tonkins, Maloney and Drinkwater working, hasn't he? And, you know, the, the, they always said that the key to one... Uh, Catalan performing was actually getting the best out of Maloney and I think he, he's got a real good partner in Drinkwater so I agree with you two boys I can't see anything cooler than a, a Catalan victory Yeah we're all agreeing with each other but we'll see how we go with this last game there might be mixed opinions here Chris and I don't know what to say about it the final game of the weekend on Sunday, another game in the city of Hull at the KCOM Stadium. Hull FC host Warrington Wolves. It's a weird one. I, d- I don't know. It's I know Reynolds is out the grub, although I've got another name for him, which I won't mention until Derby week. Warrington are a miss, mate. Steve Price, I think, is a little bit more under the cost than Daryl Powell in the leaving sense. I do think if Warrington pick up a few defeats, he could even leave early. I don't, I don't think he'll see the season out personally. Still no Greg Inglis. For me, I think Hull have started strong at the KCOM. They might have a little bit too much for I think the black and whites are going to win. I'll wait for Chris to have a go at me in a minute, but I'll go to you, James, first. <laughs> well, yeah, first of before I give my prediction, I'll say I've really enjoyed chatting to you lads. Um, but yeah, I'm going, I'm going FC as well. I just think they've started really well. <laughs> I, just, I just don't... 
I just don't fancy Warrington at the moment. And here we go. We move over to the biggest hypocrite, Chris Johnson. What's he going to say about us now? Where are you going for me? I'll, um, I'll take my black and white glasses off here because I know you've got a few wise words to say about me at the moment. No, you know what? I, I think, if I'm honest, I think, oh, they're getting a lot of smoke blown up their ass very early. And it, this is what happens every season with them. You know, they, they go well for, so, for a certain amount of games, but they have a really bad middle period and you're right they could beat Warrington uh, Steve Price obviously he got a lot of stick um, because he only I know they beat Swinton Swinton won it in the cup yeah yeah um, they've got a lot of you know they didn't he's I think he's on a hard into nothing uh, because now because uh, they know who's coming that's an interim but, Joe, you consistently bat them like knobbed. You're breaking up, Chris. I can't um, this like not. So, uh, <laughs> the only thing I can do for the Red Robin podcast is go against you and Dull FC. So, I'm going to go for a Warrington victory. Well... What we'll do, guys, because Chris sounds like he's got Westall Wi-Fi with the way his connection's going. So he's going to go Warrington. We and Jimmy and James are going to go all FC. And thank you, James, for that comment, mate, before Chris interrupted and started being horrible about that. Um, I do, we do appreciate you coming on, mate. We'll do it throughout the season. It's just good to have a different set of, you know, a different voice, different set of ears, watching the game, listening to different things. You're obviously there, so you can hear what's happening on the pitch at the moment, and hopefully we'll be, to be able to join you soon. But, Chris, is another good episode, mate. Really enjoyed him, aren't we? And we had a good Heritage cast with Josh Mantellato last week. That's still available to listen to, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously we want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened so far. I mean, it's been amazing. Isn't it? We've got over ten thousand listens. I think we're already. I think we're up to nearly eleven thousand. Yeah, right. We, with the listeners. Yeah, so it, it, it's it's gone way beyond our expectations, and obviously the only way it's gone above our expectations is because people are listening. So thank you for listening to the Heritage Cast list. Thank you for listening to me, Joe, and people like James talk about all Kingston Rovers. It, it's really, uh, you know, we enjoy doing it, and we really thank you for, for tuning in. So hopefully the, by the next time you listen to this, we'll be talking about a whole Kingston Rovers victory. Yeah, let's hope so, mate, because like you mentioned, we've been going, what, two or three months, 10.7K listeners so far, and it's only just the beginning. Hopefully for Rovers... Get it right on the field. These podcasts can be a bit more positive. We can get other guests on, build it because we're loving it and we love having you on, James. So thank you for coming on the show, mate. Yeah, cheers, lads. Keep up with good work. Yeah, definitely. We'll see you in the next few weeks or so. So that's it, guys, for another episode of the Red Robin podcast with me, Joe Appleyard, Chris Johnson and special guest James O'Brien. Remember, the Robins are in action on Sky Sports Arena on Friday night, 7.45, as their host, the Huddersfield Giants. Let's hope the Robins can get two points on the board and start the 2021 campaign. We'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for listening.